Welcome to The Careful Photograph. I'm your host, Tara Krainak. This week, my guest is Tommy Ka, and together we will be taking a closer look at his photograph, Mine, parentheses, number nine, Memphis, Tennessee, 2017, Mi Chien, Mi Lu, from I'm Only Here to Leave. You can see Tommy's photograph and find links to more of his work on our website and Instagram accounts at thecarefulphotograph and thecarefulphotograph.com. Tommy Ka is a photographer currently based in Brooklyn, New York, and Memphis, Tennessee. He holds an MFA in photography from Yale University. He is a foam talent, Jerome Hill Artist Fellowship awardee, and an Infoco Photography Fellowship recipient. He is also a former artist-in-residence at Lightwork and Camera Club of New York. Ka was recently named one of the 47 artists in the inaugural Silver List in 2021. His first solo show took place at Blue Sky Gallery in Portland, followed up by his New York City debut at the Camera Club of New York in May of 2019. For the last several years, Tommy Ka has worked on a series of staged self-portraits featuring himself, his mother, and a cardboard cutout of himself that he uses as a photographic prop. The image we discuss in this episode, like many others, was made in a domestic space, his childhood home in Memphis, Tennessee. The resulting images are at once loving family photographs, gentle, playful, and yet they also contain a dark humor that is strange and unsettling. His mother most often appears stoic and entirely in her own psychological space. This distancing, combined with the doubling of the artist's own presence, creates a palpable tension that speaks to the ways intergenerational trauma may be hidden, suppressed, hinted at, or sometimes even laid bare in the family album. Through the use of the cardboard cutout, Ka also calls attention to the performance of self and the multiplicity of his own identities as queer, Asian American, and as he puts it, a person from the South. In a recent interview, Ka speaks of his use of masks and cutouts as part of a strategy to make work that emerges from the intersection of these identities. When I first started using the cardboard masks, I was trying to figure myself into my own work without having to physically do so. I was also reacting to being dismissed because I wasn't interested in making work about being Asian or being queer, but the intersections of those identities. Later on in this episode of The Careful Photograph, our conversation turns to the ways that Asian Americans have too often been written out of the photographic archive entirely, just as their labor, although foundational to this country, has been erased from its history. While this episode was recorded long before the violent, racially targeted shooting of eight Asian American women in Atlanta, cause serious, growing concern for the safety of Asian American bodies being pushed down in the streets of New York or threatened with deportation foreshadows the current and ongoing violence against Asian Americans and Pacific Islanders. In spite of this ongoing crisis, 
In the face of it, Tommy Ka continues to use his photography, his own body, and family history to make visible the bodies and narratives that have been pushed to the margins, rendered invisible, and violently erased. I hope you enjoy this episode. So I am here today with Tommy Ka, and we are talking about mine, parentheses, nine, and that is the Roman numeral nine, Memphis, Tennessee, 2017, from, and Tommy, can you pronounce that for me? I don't even know if that- Mi Xian Mi Lu. Mi Xian Mi Lu. That sounds about right. I've, I've, I think okay. if I can only speak French if I am slightly intoxicated. Okay. <laughs> and then, um, and then there's a, there's another title title associated with this photograph that says, I'm only here to leave. Yes. So is that the series title? Yeah. Okay. Um, it is part of that. It kind of gets really, um, how it's a very conspiracy theory, mood board, Pinterest, uh, way of organizing these pictures. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. so this one is actually part of a larger body of work outside of anything I'm doing. Um, is this ongoing collaboration with my mom. So anytime any photographs yeah. of her automatically are part of this um, larger body at work. Okay. Um, but she appears yeah. in different projects across time and okay. space forever. Okay. So. okay, so the I'm going to jump right in then because I think we're already talking about the content of the image, which is that your mother appears in the image. But I first want to... Um, just describe the photograph for our listeners because this is again something we're listening to and um so i just want to start with description and i'd love to hear you describe this photograph in detail okay um <laughs> this is mine um it's the ninth photograph specifically for this project this is actually a two versions of this picture um, from this session uh, exists in very similar composition. So the composition described here um, includes a window on the top left. Um, the blinds are open and the light is coming in, but you kind of get enough highlights and details to, um, so it's not completely uh, a overwhelming bright white. Um, then towards the right in the middle, sitting on the floor is my mom. And then to the right of the frame is two images of me, uh, me on the floor um, and another one it, through the armchair of the dentist chair. <laughs> okay, and the palette is really soft. I would say really soft lighting, um, but it's, it's, there's no dramatic lighting. It's really kind of bright and softly lit. The colors are mostly desaturated except for the rug, which seems to almost be this, I, I would describe it on my screen. It kind of looks like, um, like a burnt orange, uh, almost like mud color. And then the walls are this kind of beige and you see the, um, the decorative what is that called along the edges of the bottom of the floor in almost uh molding 
molding yes like floor molding it's kind of this decorative floor molding and then on the very far right hand corner because of the way that you've cropped the image you can see um a floor vent and a, a wire i think coming out that's out of focus and the focus is clearly on your mother she's kind of sitting holding her legs she's wearing denim flip-flops um it looks like almost a velour navy uh like a fitted uh, shirt, long sleeve with a white collar. Um, she's leaning against the wall. She's got a soft shadow and she uh, seems totally unaware that you are behind her um, on the ground. Your head is at the level of her legs and there's a strange cutoff, like the dentist chair looks vintage and it, I can't tell if it's actually there, there. Like, it looks like it's in the room, but it could also be a cutout. Like, it doesn't, I can't quite um, place it. And the dentist's chair is um, like a light-colored brown, and it looks almost to be vintage. And in the arm opening, you see your you, the artist, two eyes peering out, but they're also out of focus. It doesn't look, I can't tell... But it seems like the what would be an actual space that's closer to me looks out of focus. And the thing, your body on the floor looks more in focus as if it's present and has a shadow. But the, the you that's in the chair peering through the arm is slightly out of focus and seems um, like not present, but present. Um, and I don't know if there's anything else. Like the line in the middle of the photograph is really kind of splits the photo in two. Um, there's a nice V going on also with the way that the floor, the rug lines up with the line in the wall. Um, I don't know if there's anything else to describe here, but um, wondering, so I, I, we don't know each other. And I, I was drawn to your, I saw um, some writing about your work in Aperture and I really wanted to invite you to talk about this photograph because all of the photographs where you're present with your mother um, are so just, I'm so drawn to them. I, I, there's something um, at, at once, there's something unsettling about them um, and the double presence. I mean, they look like all my dreams or something they look like my dreams um i think that's why i was drawn to them in the first place and i wanted to talk to you about working well I'm, i don't even know where to start i think the my first question would be um do you think of this photograph as a portrait of your mother or do you think of it as like a self-portrait with your mother or how how would you describe the photograph in in those terms it's funny to look at this photograph i made wow four years ago and I love when there are details that I don't even see. I feel like I've only lived with this photograph before I've moved to the next thing and a passing glance. To answer your question, it is, it's such a uh, aggravating answer to, to t tell people. It's all of the above. It's both a portrait of my mom. It's both a self-portrait as well, a document of, of a performance. And any of our collaborations between my mom and myself are performances for the camera. So they're in some way staged and 
often what comes out of it are these accidental mistakes. The line in the middle is slightly askew, which I love because that is real to the foundation or to the two walls meeting in this photograph. And it's also a family photograph. I kind of um, humanize the dentist chair a lot um, because it belonged to my grandfather. When he uh, immigrated to Memphis in the early 90s, he couldn't practice in the country. So this room was, that no longer exists uh, in case uh, crime happened. But I don't know if dental crime is a really high state <laughs> or criminal activity. Um, but every time I photograph the this dentist chair, I've always imagined like it's, has this kind of grandfather quality for me. So I would actually refer it to as if it's my own grandfather um, when I see it. Um, interestingly, this uh, is a place that I, I come home to because um, it's my childhood house. And I spent the last, I would say, about 10 years or so um, documenting this space before it would inevitably be sold, which happened very recently. So I'm very okay. um, tra traumatized by not. Oh, some of these photographs, maybe. I was like, is that a dentist chair? Because um, it's hard to tell because it comes from the right side and it looks like it could almost have been pasted in. I've been photographing that dentist chair for years and I was also introducing these this idea of um, a cutout of myself. And I love the, the way it was all accidental because I originally was just on the floor by myself. I was putting myself in different positions throughout this composition around my mom, who was sitting the exact same way forever. <laughs> I think this is around the time where we were trying to find some sort of um, neutral ground with each other. Uh, originally when I photographed my mom and my work, she, I would position her as this uh, sort of villain, this antagonist because of um, okay. our differences. And over time, she's kind of really become this collaborative partner, which I guess in a way it has changed the way I approached making these pictures of this collaboration with her. Is this right now or looking at this picture, this was at a point where we we're trying to fit in each other's lives, fit into the space, finding how do we belong in the same room together. I appear twice uh, because one of myself's—that's just really strange to say out loud. <laughs> one of myself's is a cutout, and so it. That what you're looking at is uh, one is a represented image of myself, and the other is um, my actual self. That wasn't planned. I, I just saw this scene and was mostly playing around with this cutout imagery of myself. Um, mm -hmm. And then came to realize that, oh, yeah, I can also be present. And what would that look like? In terms of your mother's look, like I can't quite place it, but it's definitely like a kind of look of defiance almost, but, but also that she's still willing to participate in this, but she kind of doesn't. She's like, I don't know what's going on, but I'm going to just sit here <laughs> Is that, am i reading that correctly like what it how would you describe her her look her expression i think that's a fair um observation i i think my blanket statement 
with my mom. I even asked her and it's a genuine disinterest. It's not like she's uninterested, but there's a lack yeah. of, um, I can't, like she is participating willingly because um, she's my mom and she loves me. Uh, my family puts up with me. It's it's a really common thing to see my family see me and then they run away because I usually have a camera on me. They put up with me. Um, but I love the idea of my mom's disinterest because this is a year after, looking at the date of this, when I shot this, this was a year after she gifted me um, this photo album, um, which turned out was photographs she made, um, which I never knew this. And I've been like screaming this to the world recently, just in the last uh, <laughs> five years or so of like, holy crap, my mom was a photographer too. And she never told me. And it she never told you never told me. And you know, this is years into our collaboration and her sitting um, in awkward p poses um, for minutes to hours on end. And it's the sudden gift that she gave me that I'm still processing. And it's really such a turning point with, in consideration of these pictures we made together, is that her photographs, it was, was simply titled Canada 1984. That's it. It was in pink. <laughs> um case there's no negatives they're just these color prints i'm hoping i'll find the negatives down the line but i've been in the process of archiving and digitizing them and it's the difference of generation of a generation um between someone who i inherit half my dna from has made these incredible pictures of the year she it was the year after she fled vietnam um, she spent six to nine months um, um, going from country to country until she eventually f found asylum in London, Ontario. I could have been Canadian. Um, <laughs> and it's probably where I get my apologetic um, politeness from. It, it sort of sounds like it's this opportunity to understand her better your relationship better and kind of to try to understand what is passed down or what is inherited there's there's something about like who's speaking for whom or who like there's definitely this uh play that i think is happening between that like blocking of the mouth and the way that your mother's mouth is so expressive it kind of turns down I don't know. I, I like that um, assessment. The way I positioned myself in the frame is one of my favorite things about making pictures of myself is that there is this blind spot, uh, this distance of not seeing what the resulting picture right away. It was a lot better with 4x5 where there was longer periods of time before I actually see anything um, from my sessions until like the film gets developed and processed and scanned. I'm trying to think about, um, you know, this, this um, I'm teaching a class called photography and the racialized body. And I really wanted to um, give the artist the opportunity to discuss the photograph or their artwork, their photograph in the ways that they wanted to present the work rather than um, trying to 
force the artist to talk about. Um, I think, and and this is something I've been thinking about a lot with the conversations I've been having is as an artist of color myself, this kind of forced dialogue around our biographies or our bodies um, and trying to, but, but it's also kind of this, it, it is important to the work. It is, your work is about the portrait and the body and your body and your mother's body and your relationship to each other and family history. And I would say, yes, that race is important to the discussion. And so I'm wondering um, if you'd like to talk about the ways that your identity or your body is present in the work itself and how important that is in terms of understanding the photograph and the concepts in your work. I have been recently thinking um, about the Transcontinental Railroad um, and thinking about how Fundamentally, this is the base of my work, is how photography has been complicit in imaging otherness since the dawn of time. Um, really, you know, 1839. But depending on like people's uh, education on photographic histories, I, I really am thinking about the ceremony of driving the last spike of the Transcontinental Railroad. I think that was May 10th, 1869. And one of the things I continue to learn about this photograph is one, they pushed, they didn't photograph any Chinese bodies, uh, the Chinese laborers that worked um, the railroads. And, and there are other laborers as well, but I love, or really love hate that this um, gesture happened. Um, and I think it has been a, such an influential um, gesture, this action, this this push to push someone out of the frame to not include them is so symbolic in the way at least for Asian American experiences mm -hmm. has been that. It stems from that. Who is deserving to be photographed? Who is deserving to be included in historical context? Um, who is allowed to celebrate their work? Um, and I recently learned there was actually one Chinese person in this photograph that I'm looking. Um, I wonder if I can put it in, in the chat here. But Yeah, I'd love to see it. It is. I'm still trying to look for this guy. They, when I, they, Someone told me that and I'm still looking. I'm still trying to find that one Chinese body in this ceremonial <laughs> photograph. And I find that super, super symbolic of the work that I did, um, that I'm doing. I find that really mm -hmm. metaphorical and my jumping off point in the work I do. I, okay. I keep thinking about how photography has influence the way that we image each other, how we own someone else's image, which I find problematic, and how photography and, and the way it's disseminated has influenced the way that we photograph ourselves and our participation in front of the camera. I, I think there's so much darker perspectives mm. in mm -hmm. thinking about these pictures of 
what happens outside of this frame. And we, you and I both know the, the kinds of histories that have occurred in this, this country um, mm-hmm. in America. And it's a lot of alternative histories or the real truth or the real um, things that have happened that I'm still trying to unpack of, I'm still trying to unpack histories that weren't taught to me. I'm still trying to find um, photographic evidence of other Asian Americans that have operated a camera or were queer and Asian um, that existed. And it's incredibly, incredibly rare and hard Mm. to do. It's a hard research. I'm sure that there are, that they exist. I'm sure that they exist. I haven't had, I haven't found them. I think about Transparent in season two, the Amazon Prime show. Um, her, um, their name isn't Jill Soloway anymore, so I want to say it right on this. Um, hmm. Joey Soloway's show, Transparent. And at the end of season two, um, it's this uh, Noxy Crystal Knot. Um, don't know if I pronounced that right, but it's a precursor to that, uh, where they the Nazis came and stormed the Institute of Sexual Study Sexology, um, and throughout the season two of Transparent, there was um, a lack of Magnus Hirschfeld's other partner. I'm pausing because I have to bring up the uh, the, the the name again because I'm like, oh no, I haven't said it in a while, um, but. Uh, uh, Tao Li, mm-hmm. and he was a Chinese figure that came to the Hirschfeld Institute his to be um, to study um, transgender reassignment and all that. Um, what the show depicted was kind of actually what happened in 1933. Like Nazis came in and destroyed everything and set um, sex studies back a few decades. Um, but the one glaring omission that I was, I knew this story and I was really excited watching this unfold on, on Transparent. And I was like, I really hope Tali shows up. I mean, he's such an important thing. Mm. And no, he did not. I'm pretty sure they depicted mm. the other partner, but it was just like how glaring of an omission. Like I'm looking at, like I have very, very crappy um, download photographs of images of Tali and it's just such a, a glaring omission. And I really feel that. I think in context mm-hmm. of this photograph of mine, uh, mm-hmm. nine m- of mine, number nine, mine, number nine, mm-hmm. it's uh, the way I position myself is actually probably influenced by that information. Just knowing that, just knowing that, that there are people pushed out of the frame to, um, not be part of the ceremonial last final spike of the transcontinental railroad. Um, how many people that haven't been photographed or imaged are worthy of being photographed? And it's self-portraiture is self-indulgent, and at the same time, it's the sort of exorcism for me. I like mm-hmm. that photography um, is a slice of time, and often it's of the past, of the recent past, probably, and how much of the active picture making has been 
exercising the past and living with the present and what is happening now. I'm just sitting with what you're saying because so much of what you just said speaks to, I think, a shared experience by photographers of color that I've talked to over the last couple of weeks. I guess there's a lot of questions in here, but I'm wondering one if you could talk about your work in relationship to whatever we're thinking about in terms of like, or how you would interpret this moment. And then um, if it has changed anything for you, if you are recontextualizing your work within this moment, or, you know, I, I'm not sure if we want to throw that out. The other question would be about um, that aperture essay and why hasn't, haven't there been any um, famous Asian American photographers? Oof. And then we'll end with that because I think we have a lot. Yeah, I think so too. And plus, I have to watch the Bachelor. Yeah. I'm kidding. Yeah. No, I'm not actually kidding about the Bachelor thing. <laughs> On Monday night. Um. Yeah, that aperture interview came around um, because of my friend Will Matsuda. They're great. Yeah, Will Matsuda brought us together and I was really hoping it would be a, I think it still could actually happen, is um, more platforms for um, Asian American artists. Recently, I just, I mean, I just keep seeing reports of Asian Americans being assaulted, being pushed down, and uh-huh. in some cases with um, elderly folks passing away after they f- fell quite hard. Like these, these bodies have been assaulted. And I feel like there's a, a lower level of treatment or a way that Asian American bodies are perceived. I want to pick my words carefully here. I know, I know. And weeks of seeing, I mean, it's, I've gone through a year of seeing reports of Asian Americans being assaulted and sometimes killed. And it scares me. I've The weeks leading up to the election, I kept thinking, where would I flee to? Could I take, could I, in the middle of a pandemic, could I just swoop in and pick up my mom or flee with my family members? But it's, it's, it gets complicated when it's, there's so many of them. And that made me just, I think that was probably the point where I just started losing my mind because I had coworkers that didn't experience that kind of level of racism. This is racism. It's this immigration and the fear of deportation This for my family members. It's just like any time in the last four years, I fear that they would find any of my family members and realize that they don't belong there. I was born in this country, and even that was not guaranteed safety for me to be where to be here. And there was a, a passing comment of like, oh, we'll just Anne Frank you. It's like, that's not funny, dude. Like, that's the last thing I need to hear. How can you say something so flippant? Yeah. That wow. Anne Frank didn't live. That's a terrible comparison. And that is the level of acceptable racism that I have to inhabit and navigate still. I mean, only recently around the insurrection, last month, I was called an Oriental. I was, I'm pausing only because it's uh, a little hard to recall. Um, 
I just only remember in the last year of what is acceptable that I can take um, that is harmful that I have to put up with and live with. Because, you know, growing up in Memphis, it's not a walk in the park either. And it's not that racism came out of nowhere. It's always been there. And I grew up in the South and I know what it looks like. And people Mm -hmm. will point that out. It's the same thing being stopped at a Whole Foods for someone to guess my ethnicity and the same time someone's threatening my life to not be, be here. In any sense of making work, making pictures for myself is a way to excise that. It's an exorcist for me. Mm. Am I an echo in my own photographs or am I the sound? I'm not sure why I try to end that with a weird audible poetic uh, metaphor. <laughs> but it's wonderful. Can you can you say that one more time, Tommy? I'm sorry to make you say it again, but am I an echo? Am I an echo? Or am I? Yeah. Am I an echo or am I a sound? Hmm. I think this is a really good place to end. Um, and you'll be you'll be done in time to watch The Bachelor. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I, you can probably if you find a way to include that, Sean. Like that's totally fine. I'm um, oh, I'm gonna the tape too. Um, <laughs> Thank you all so much for this time. I um I'm really looking forward to this. It's just I it's it's something to talk about an individual photograph. <laughs> this is a nice change of pace and like holy crap, I only need to talk about this. Okay, let's unpack this. Let's oh wow. Yes, <laughs> I did not plan that. That was an act. Um, but we'll I'll take um credit anyway. <laughs> Tommy, thank you so much. Your work. I'm a big fan of your work. I have been for a while. I just, I don't know. It's nice to be able to reach out. And I think that's why I'm doing this because it's like, I, I'm fans. I'm, I, I'm a fan of so many photographers and I never get to talk to them. So thank you. And then we'll see you in class at the end of the semester. Thank you. Tara. Thank you, Sean. This is Tara Krynek at the back end of the Tommy Ka episode, and I have an assignment that Tommy emailed to me. He says, using the self-timer set to 10 seconds, make a self-portrait of yourself. If you're using a smartphone, please use the back-facing camera, not front-facing. During the 10 seconds, compose yourself and your photograph. How many pictures did you make of yourself? What adjustments did you make? Consider the camera placement. Thank you, and till next time, take care.